How many of you are enjoying this series? Okay, just want to see if how many of you lied. Because <laughs> we don't like this R word, do we? I mean, what's the R word? Okay, do we, y'all didn't say it loud enough for everybody else to hear you. What's that word? Okay, and we don't like that word, do we? And so now the pastor, three weeks in a row talking to you about responsibility. Now, of course, you probably liked it the last week or the week before because I talked to the men and then I talked to the women. And so you probably, if you, you men probably liked last week and you women probably liked the week before. Uh, but now today, just going to get us all, okay? Because today we're going to talk about our, our responsibility as not men or women, but as child of God. Our responsibility to the ultimate, the ultimate responsibility, which is to God, our Father. So that's what we're going to talk about today, and, and, and I, hope that, I hope you're adult enough to appreciate this, because what we so often want to do is we just want to take the easy part, you know, we want to take the nice part, and we don't want to have to deal with the adult part, the responsibility, but I hope you're adult enough to say, no, I want to know what my responsibilities are, because I, I want to keep the blessings flowing. I want, I want to keep the good stuff happening. I want favor of God in my life. I need it for my family my finances, my, my health, my, and uh, all the problems in my family. So I hope that you are that adult. So let's have a word of prayer, and let's get to this, because God really, I think God really has a challenge for us that I want all of you to accept this morning. Not just accept, but I want you to embrace the challenge today to be responsible to God, give to him what, um, not what he requires, what he deserves. Let's pray. Father, I love you and thank you, God. One more time, we ask you, God, to just be with us in this service. I pray, God, you, you stir our hearts, God. Stir our minds, Lord. Don't let us be uh, comfortable. God, make us uncomfortable right where we're see, sitting right now. God, it's, it's not an exciting thing to hear about responsibility because, God, we, whenever we hear about it, we, we hear of the places that we're missing. We hear of things that we're not doing right. And that, I just ask your Holy Spirit to just help us go ahead and just shove all that aside and say, Regardless, I need to hear. I need to hear about my responsibility to my Maker, my Creator, my Savior, my Lord, my King. And I just ask you, God, to uh, please uh, help us all accept the challenge, embrace the challenge, to, to chase the challenge today, to uh, to fulfill our responsibilities to you. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody said, "Amen." Romans chapter twelve is where we're going to go in just a, a couple of seconds. But let me let me set this up for you. Romans chapter eleven. Paul is talking about uh, grace. Now, he, he talks about the, the Jewish people and how they did not accept Jesus Christ because he didn't look like they thought he ought to look. I mean, they were wanting a king. You know, they wanted, uh, you know, they wanted a guy, you know, if we think in today's terms, they wanted somebody to come, you know, on, on uh, satellite television, you know, and have all the bells and whistles and everything. And, man, Jesus, he, he, was just a, he was just a preacher walking around in a robe and sandals, you know, had 12 guys following him. I mean, he wasn't what they were looking for, and so they didn't fully accept him. And, and because of this and some other things, you know, just the way that God was dealing with them, God actually allowed them to, and, and chapter 11 there sounds like God even gave them a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of, bit of blinders so that they would not see who God was, uh, that, who Christ was, that he was the Savior, and, and he hid this from them. But Paul goes on to say, but their time of grace hasn't passed. Grace is still coming to the Jewish people. And then he starts talking about the grace that you and I have received. The grace that uh, that we get as Gentiles, and thank God that you know uh, we get this opportunity, and not as in the Old Testament, feeling like we're standing on the outside. But New Testament, everybody's welcome, Jew and Gentile, anybody is welcome into uh, the family of God and into a relationship with Him. And it's because of this grace and and uh, grace and mercy; those those are two words that mean pretty much the same thing. It's because of this grace and mercy 
that he writes chapter 12. So let's jump to chapter 12, verse 1. And he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. So he's saying, I'm pleading with you then because of this grace that we've received. Because God has been so gracious to us. Because God has given this to us. I I, I just beseech you. I plead with you. How many of you ever say beseech? Y'all say that in your normal everyday language, okay? You Do y'all? Really? Uh, I can see Scott. Scott and Brad, I bet, will work it into their communication sometime this week just so they can say they did. But I beseech. It means like, come on, I beseech you. I mean, it sounds like, you know, it sounds like somebody making a very very urgent plea to us. I beseech you because of these mercies. Okay, here's the thing. If we're not careful, what we will do with grace is we'll make grace so free. And, and grace is free. Salvation is free. Thank God for grace. But if we're not careful, we will leave it right there and we won't, we won't understand and appreciate it what we need to appreciate it for. And he said, because of these grace and mercies, come on, I plead with you. We got something to do about this. It's not just free like that, uh, that we need to just accept it that way. Brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, okay? The first two weeks, I read two full chapters. We're going to read a full chapter again here today, and we won't take long reading this chapter. But so often we take this. We take the, we take the free grace of God. We take the free salvation, and, and we just act like there aren't any responsibilities whatsoever. And so the first two weeks, I've read to you chapters that are just chock full of responsibility. We have responsibility. As men, there are things that we have to do as husbands, as, as dads, and Big brothers, as women, there are certain things you need to do because you have responsibility to the younger ladies under you. I pray some of you older ladies have been moved this past week to start doing something about that as well. And as a child of God, not children of God, not as just one group, but as individuals, we have responsibility. And so he says, here's part of it. Don't be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, though grace is given to me, to everyone who is among you, he says, I say to you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So he's talking about humility. We have a responsibility of humility too. For as we have many members in one body, all the members do not have the same function. So we being many many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So we're all one, but we're individual. Okay, so we've got to have this individual thing. We've got to see this individual. We have individual responsibility. We don't just have a responsibility come together as a church on Sunday. We have individual responsibilities. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. I'm going to come back to those in a minute. Let love be without hypocrisy. Okay, there's another one. Abhor what is evil, another cling to what is good. Be kindly affection to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence. Be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation and continue steadfast in your prayer life. Distribute to the needs of the saints. Be given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Mm. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one. Repay no one. No one. What does that mean? That, that's everybody, right? No, it doesn't say no one except for. 
repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, not on the other person, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Doesn't say, mm, if your enemy is hungry, think about feeding him. It says, if you're, this is a command. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. And that's not just so you can burn his brains out. There's actually some spiritual reason for this, okay? All right, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And what, a, what an awesome, powerful one he ends right there with. Do not be overcome with evil, but you've got a responsibility to overcome evil with good. Whenever you come in contact with evil, you've got a responsibility to overcome it with good. How many of you believe good is stronger than evil? In God, good is strong. Then, then, then that can happen, right? Good can always overcome evil. How's it going to happen? It, there it is. The command is, is to us. It is our responsibility then to make sure the good overcomes the evil. Those are our responsibilities as a child of God. There in the kind of the middle or uh, kind of toward the beginning of the middle of this chapter, he lists the various gifts. And I, I just wanted to mention these to you again because, you know, and we use different terms here, we, you know, because skipper, okay, you use the term administration or leader, and we've all got this idea in our head of, or use the term pastor or, or evangelist. You know, if, if I were to tell some of you, you take the gift and passion inventory, and I come to you and say, you, you know, your, your strong gift is evangelist, that scares some people to death. They think, oh, I'm about to tell them they got to leave the country, you know, and start mission work and evangelizing. And, and, and it doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean that. It means that's how you're gifted. And there's an, there's evangelistic type work. So we use different, uh, different terms like skipper for administrator, trailblazer for prophet, uh, social whiz for evangelist and, and uh, guardian and, uh, guru and for teacher and ninja for the helps and the giving. And we use these, uh, but, but, but I wanted to bring this to your attention because it's right here in the middle of the responsibilities of Romans chapter 12, that because of the grace and the mercies of God that we have had bestowed on us, we've been given these gifts as well, and we have a responsibility to use these gifts that God has given us. Now, we have, we have grace and mercy that is free, and we don't owe God a thing for that. But he gave us this free grace, this free salvation, and because he's given us that... There's also these other gifts, and sometimes we don't see these other gifts in our lives until we become a Christian, and we start operating as a child of God, and then we start seeing these gifts, and when we realize what gifts we have in Him, then we have a responsibility to operate in those gifts to minister to one another as a caregiver, as, as an encourager, as a supporter, you know, as a guru, you know, like, like I was talking to the ladies last week, as being a guru for the younger ladies under, you know, teaching them some of the things that you learn, and, you know, and, Listen, I've always wanted to learn how not to do stuff from some people, you know. I see you mess up. I don't want to mess up the way you did. I see you fall on your face and make a big old idiot of yourself. Hey, I don't want to do it too. I want to learn the lesson, you know. Tell me where the, the slippery rocks are so I don't step on them. The landmines so I don't blow myself up. And so we, since we have these gifts, we have to step in and use them accordingly. Grace is free. But you want blessings with that. Back to verse 1 of chapter 12. We're not talking today about what God requires. Because for salvation, for grace, he requires nothing except that we receive it. But at the end of verse 1, there are two words. This is what we're talking about. We're talking about reasonable service. 
reasonable service. Now, let me say something about reasonable. We had a yard sale yesterday, um, and I hate yard sales. I haven't been to yard sales. I, I don't know when is the last time I bought. I, I can't even remember buying anything at a yard sale because I don't like yard sales. You know, I, 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 I went to one accidentally at Greg's mom's house not too long ago because I just had to talk to him about something. They just had, I didn't go to the yard sale. I didn't buy a thing, did I, Greg? Didn't even look at anything, really. Did. I, don't, I don't like, you know, because what do you do? You get there, what, what do you start doing? You start reasoning with each other about what's a good price, right? And you know what ends up? It's, it's kind of like a compromise. You know what a good compromise is, don't you? It's something that leaves nobody happy. Because I don't get what I think that my thing is worth from you, and you think you paid me too much for it, right? You know, you get it home, and you find more scratches on it than you thought. And so none of us are happy. I mean, I didn't get enough money, and you paid too much. And so we think, you know, it's kind of like what is reasonable is not, you know, it's not really reasonable. That's not what this word means, this reasonable thing right here. We need to look at it a different we need, we need to elevate our thinking on what is reasonable. Let me, let me show you something about reasonable service here with just a clip from the movie. Grace is free, right? No, wait a minute. Grace was free to me. Salvation didn't cost me a thing. But it sure cost my Savior. It sure cost him. And when I look back and I think, and I re-examine what he did for me, this this free thing. So here's the, here's, here's the catchy part right here. If we're not careful. We'll, if we keep saying grace is free, if we say it in the wrong way, in the wrong attitude, we'll think grace is cheap. Grace wasn't cheap. It cost, it cost heaven its very best treasure. It cost the Father His only begotten Son. It wasn't cheap. But thank God because He paid it all. To me, it's free. Because He paid every, every last drop of blood that needed to be poured out to me it's free Isaiah said he was despised and rejected of man he was a man of sorrows he was acquainted with grief he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace was upon him by the stripes on his back not cheap, but because he paid it all, it's free. Now, let's go back to our two words. In light of this, what is my reasonable service? Changes the context of it, doesn't it? I mean, seems like getting up early and going to church for an hour and 20 minutes, not a big deal anymore, is it? You see, when I think of this, when I think of this kind of a thing, I, 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 don't even, I don't even think of myself or anything that I've ever accomplished in these ways. I don't look at those things. What is my reasonable service? In light of, of, of this, and, and, and listen, if anything, this movie does not depict it strongly enough what our Savior paid for us. And in light of all that he paid, I mean, the question should no longer be, oh, do I have to, you know, do I have to go to church? Oh, do I have to do that? Oh, do I have? Does God really require this? That's not the question anymore. For the, come on, grow up. We need to be looking and say, wait a minute. When he's paid all the, what should be my reasonable service to him? 
You know, it's, this is not a bargaining thing. Salvation's already given to you. You got it for free. But now you got to step back and say, he's done all this for me. What, what, what would be a reasonable thing that I could do for them? I mean, has anybody ever given you a gift and, and they really, really, really didn't want anything for it, but you felt like, I got to do something for them. I got to write them a card or, or take them out to eat or something. I got to do a little something for them. Or maybe you'd even do something for their child. You know, something for someone that, that, that was in their heart. And you would do it, not because it was required, but why? Because this is a good thing. This is, a re- this is reasonable. These people have blessed me. And in the same way, when we see what God has done for us, we've got we to grow up and say, wait a minute. What's my reasonable service here? So let's look at our reasonable service. And we'll, we'll do it by backing through this verse just a little bit because when he talks about our reasonable service, he talks about, uh, he talks about it being acceptable to God. It's what is acceptable to God. Okay, now here's this word acceptable, and you know what? It's really close to that reasonable thing, really close to being a, a kind of a, you know, a negotiation, you know, this acceptable thing. Well, what is acceptable? Let me ask you this question. How many of you have ever accepted something that wasn't acceptable? Okay? I'm going to think about it for just a minute. You ever got a bad Christmas gift that you put on the biggest smile you could and took in your hand, took home and hid in the very back of a closet so nobody ever, ever saw it ever, ever, ever again? And you accept it, but it wasn't acceptable. Or how many times maybe you were in a tight financially and you had something that really cost a lot of money and somebody you knew knew how bad you were in a tight, and so they offered to buy that thing from you for about 10% of its value, and you didn't really want to sell it, but you had to because you just had to have 10%. I had to have the money, and you accepted, but it wasn't acceptable. You know, that's what we do to God when we see this word acceptable as being a very minimum that we, and that's the way we look at the word acceptable. What is the minimum I can do to crawl across this line and God to say, okay, all right, I'll take it. That's not what we're talking about here. Another way that this word is translated in other, uh, other versions and translations of the Bible is not acceptable to God, but pleasing to God. And that's the way we need to define this word acceptable. In a way that, that God receives it, in a way that it is pleasing to him. He has accepted our sacrifice, our offer, whatever it is that we're giving to him, because it is pleasing to him. And he accepts it because of that. Because it, it fulfills not, not just a minimum requirement of acceptability. It fulfills what is on his heart and what pleases him. In Galatians, I think is where um, uh, chapter 1, verse 15, Paul talks about this here, and, and, and he talks about what pleases God for Paul's life. And he says, but when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Okay, there's something to catch right there. And I might preach among the Gentiles. I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. For three years, it was him and God. Two things that I see there. And, and, and now there's, I, I could preach there those three verses right there. I, you know, we could preach for days. We could preach for weeks on those, those three verses. But two things that I got to point out to you there is when one of them was there at the end, it said when he knew what God, what was pleasing to God, you know what he did is he didn't go just hang out with everybody at church on Sunday. You know what he did? He went and spent time alone with God. It wasn't just about having an hour and 20 minutes 
with everybody else. And listen, this is important. We need to come together. I don't want to minimize that because the Word of God reminds us we're not supposed to forsake or we're not supposed to ignore the time that we gather together in His name. But, but, but what he saw is, is what God wants out of me is he wants me. He wants relationship with me. And then when God had called him and he realized that God was pleased with what, what God would be pleased with, what he did was he went and spent time. And you hear us talk about this. I mean, when you hear us talk about, when you hear us use the word chase, you know what we're talking about? I'm not chase. Well, you use the word chasing after God or chasing after his. You know what we're talking about? We're talking about going and spending that alone individual time. This is what God wants. This is one of the things that is pleasing to him. He's glad that you come. You need to be here because we all need one another. We need to pray for one another. This is the place where you get your toes stepped on, where you get reminded of what you weren't doing right this past week and your responsibilities and other things. And it's the place where you can say, hey, I got a problem. Somebody help pray for me. It's a place where you get discipled. It's a, but God wants you. He wants, spend, wants to spend time with you. He wants, he wants personal time. He wants alone time. He wants some time that it's just you and him sitting and talking, and, and you're sharing with him your heart, and he's sharing with you his heart. But the other thing that is in here is what pleased God is that God separated him from his birth. He said, I'm going to send you to reach other people that do not know me. You know, and here's the reason that you're still here. I believe with all my heart. The only reason you're still here is because God wants you to help somebody. If you're saved, if you're on your way to heaven, if you were to die right now and go to heaven, you know, God loves you too much to leave you in this junk that you're having to deal with every week, every day, unless you had a purpose. And that purpose has got to be somebody else. Because, you know, God doesn't just leave you here to fix your life because he can fix your life in an instant. Man, he kills you and you're in heaven. Hey, it's over with. I mean, your life is fixed, right? You don't have any more debt. You don't have any more problems. You don't have any more sickness. He can fix you in a hurry. It's not about you. He's left you here because of somebody else. This is what pleases God is that when we put ourselves aside and we start realizing that we have been left here on this earth, he, he saves us, he gives us eternal salvation, and then he wants us to reach somebody else and reach somebody else that's never been reached somebody that has never known Jesus Christ, but then also to disciple them to the place that they need to be. To, I mean, this is the, one of the reasons I'm here is to step on your toes and say, hey, you're not reading the Bible like you're supposed to. Hey, you're, you're not praying and spending time with God like you're supposed to. I mean, he leaves us here for these reasons. That's why you and I are still on this earth. It's because he wants us to be used in that way. And this is what is pleasing to him. I believe these two things that he says right here in these three verses the things that are pleasing to God, the acceptable thing to God is that we have time with him and that we allow him to use us to minister to somebody else. Now, the next thing he says, if we're backing through this verse 1, he talks about holy. There's a little four-letter word, holy. And this word means, it means to be separate, to be set apart. Now, interesting, isn't it? Paul used that same word. in Galat- We just read it, Galatians chapter 1. God separated me from my mother's womb. So we're separate or set apart or consecrated or dedicated or given over to something. And we don't even know what that really means anymore. I mean, what does it mean to be, to be holy? What does it mean to be separate? Now, listen, you know, we, we've got to live our lives in such a way that, that as we're giving it all to God, we don't keep taking it back. Because that's what we do. We keep taking it back. We, we, we say, oh, God, I'm, I'm committed to you. I'm dedicated to you. God, everything that I have is yours. But then we take it back and put it back in our, you know, put it back in our purse and put it back in our pockets and, you know, drive it back home with us. 
and it's still all about us, and it's not about God. But it's gotta, there's got to be a time where we, we, we've got to come to, we've got to grow up and say this is not supposed to be about me anymore. He died for me. And my reasonable service is to be holy before him. And holy means to separate yourself and set yourself apart. It's about purity. It's about moral right, righteousness in your life. But it's about even more than that. It's about dedicating your days to be for him. And it's about, it's about making your decisions based on, oh my goodness, how much we, we come to church and we talk about all the things in the word and then we go out and live our lives like we want to. You know, and we can't continue to do that and say that, That's our reasonable service. Our reasonable service is about being acceptable and pleasing to him, and which is about being holy. We're backing through this thing. And so now we're in a place of talking about holiness, which means, God, it's all about you now. And the word right before that is sacrifice. The sacrifice, which is is really how you get to a holiness. It's when you sacrifice. It's when you say, it is no longer about me. It's when your days aren't what you choose them to be, but they're what God chooses that they would be. And it's, and it's, not, it's not that, you know, every five, ten seconds, God's going to give you a new task to do. You know, God's not just into making us jump around like dogs through a hoop at a circus, you know. That's not what God's about. But God, but in your, you know, see, when we get this relationship thing right, when we spend time with him, we start hearing what his will is. And here's the good thing. Oh, man, there's so many good things. But here's a couple of good things. Is one, he knows everything about tomorrow. I mean, you know, I, I was just talking to somebody just a few moments ago, right after the first service, and they were talking about, about a major decision that they need to make in their life. And I said, you need to listen to God because you know what? God knows everything about tomorrow. He knows how the kind you know, you're trying to decide, you know, what kind of job you want to get. You're trying to decide what vocation, what school you want or degree you want to get. Hey, talk to God. God knows which, which degrees are going to carry the most weight five years from now. I mean, God knows how the economy's going to be. He, he knows, he knows, I mean, he knows about your boyfriend, your girlfriend. He knows if they're for real or if they're not. He knows what they're going to be like five or ten years from now. He knows, you know, I mean, I don't know that God's concerned. He knows if they're going to get fat and ugly and bald. I don't think he's concerned about that. But, you know, God knows those things, right? And so, by, my goodness, why in the world would we not want to hear what God has to say and start living our lives the way he wants it? I mean, giving us the direction. And that's to get to a place of holiness, we've got to get first to a place of sacrifice because we can't be separated and set apart until first we sacrifice because it's the sacrifice that makes us holy. It's the, it's the sacrificing of who I am and what I'm trying to do and all the plans and dreams that I have for my life that makes me holy. When I sacrifice who Rick Hand all, all, all planned to be throughout all of his life, that's when I can be holy then because now I, all this is gone. Rick Hand is all gone. Now I can be holy because I'm separated. I'm, I'm, I'm dedicated to him, committed totally to him. But it's hard. It's hard, isn't it, because... We make the decision today, but the problem is tomorrow because the first word there is living sacrifice. The first part of this whole little long phrase that I'm preaching to you about this morning is living. Now, when I was a little boy in kids' church, vacation Bible school, or we do boys' classes on Wednesday nights a lot and things, I remember we used to talk about stuff of like dying for Jesus. Would you die for Jesus? Oh, yeah, I'll die for, he died for me. I'll die for Jesus. Now, you know, 
when I was younger, the Cold War was still really on all of our minds. And I mean, you know, we were worried about communists breaking into our churches, you know, and, and making us all stand up and say, either deny Jesus or I'm going to kill you dead right here. But we used to be asked that kind of, would you, what would you do? And you know what, well, now that we're kind of somewhat embracing communism here in this country, I'm sorry if I offended anybody. But now that we get, we're beginning to be a kindler and gentler nation and embracing some of these things, so, well, maybe they're not so bad and all that, and Cold War's kind of over, we kind of think. And, and, you know, we're looking at some of this, and we're saying, well, maybe that's not going to happen. You know, you know, we probably won't ever have anybody walk into these doors and do that. Can I tell you, that, that kind of thing happens every day across the earth. We're, we're, we don't even know. I said this Wednesday night. We don't even understand what true sacrifice is all about. We don't know what, what true poverty is. We don't know. We think, well, I didn't, you know, I had to eat a hot dog again last night. Thank God you had a hot dog. You know, there's some people that would die for a hot dog. I mean, they're going to bed every night not having anything to eat and not knowing their kids are crying as they're going to sleep because they haven't had anything all day. And they're worried. They don't even know if their kid's going to have anything tomorrow. People are getting together all over the world today on the Sabbath and worshiping just like you and I are, except they're doing it in a basement somewhere because they're doing it under the threat of death. And I, I, I know we think, oh, no, that's not really happening. You need to look. I mean, Internet today, you can look, you can check, you can find it. There are people being martyred all across the world. Every week that you and I live, people are dying because of their, because of their belief in Jesus Christ. And yet we sit here and we just, we just, we don't even understand what sacrifice is. You see, when I think of that sacrifice and I think of, I think of giving to him, you know, if I think of the word sacrifice and the, the, the top 100 instances that would come to my mind don't have Rick Hand associated with him whatsoever. I, I can't think of anything I've ever done that I would call a sacrifice for God. Oh yeah, you you could have you could have been this or you could have been that and you could have gone to school and you you know finished uh, well I was in business school and I could have done that and you know and I could have, I could have made more money I could have I could have made more money and, you know and some people say yeah well that was a sacrifice no that's not a sa- did you see the pictures a little while ago are we talking again about about little kids that that. Don't know if they're going to have a, uh, anything to eat tomorrow. Are we talking about uh, people who, who, who sing uh, Jesus loves me in a whisper tone so that their neighbors won't hear and call the authorities who will come in and arrest them or kill them right there or, or, or Muslim uh, extremists will come in and, and, and burn their house down with all of them in it. Uh, we don't know what sacrifice is, but this is what sacrifice is all about. And nothing that Rick Hand has done would be in the top 100 of anything I could think of is sacrifice. We don't know what it is. It's about living. And so I could easily say, yeah, I'll die. I mean, hey, yeah, if gorillas come in right now and they're th- threatening to mow us all down if we don't denounce Christ, well, hey, that'd be easy. But the reasonable service isn't dying for Christ. The reasonable service is living for him. I mean, if this if this country was overrun and, and our whole lives changed and it was never going to be the same and, and people were about to die you know and we were making decisions okay are we going to stand for oh it'd be easy to make that decision i could die for god in a moment but can i live for him and living is a daily thing it is a it is a today and it is a tomorrow and it is another next day and the next day oh but we wake up tomorrow morning and it's monday and all it's about is trying to get this thinking work week off to a good start or school week. 
You know, just trying to get it rolling again. And that's what it is. You know, and we get home from work and what happens? We got more work to do. Got more homework, schoolwork to do, or we got more work to do. I mean, you know, something's broke down that has to be fixed or everything has to be cleaned. I mean, you know, we've got, and it's, that's what our week is about. And maybe somewhere along the lines we can squeeze in a ball game or, you know, a game of cards or something that we like to do just as a little bit of recreation. And it's all about those things. We get to Saturday and our weekends, and, and listen, I, I'm going to jump on me, okay? And then you can, just, you can just relate your own little thing. But I'm a big, huge college football fan. In the falls, hey, listen, I, I, love, I love the falls on Saturdays. But you know what? If I'm not careful, every Saturday can be about college football. I can wake up in the morning and say, hmm, look, another hour. Game day's going to be on, you know, and they're going to be down at Tuscaloosa, and I can watch all that. They can talk about Alabama all day and, and all this. And, oh, yeah, and this afternoon, you know, uh, Auburn's going to be on. We can watch that. And, and tonight, you know, the big game and all. And, and it can be all about this. And you know what happens when you get that kind of attitude, don't you? Man, that's a bad attitude to have as a preacher. Because in the middle of the day, it, it, it happens. Oh, it's happened to me. I can't tell you how many times. You get that phone call, you look down the caller ID, and you recognize it as being somebody from church. You think, oh, no. Somebody's sick needs prayer in the middle of my ball game. Come on. Laugh at me and then say, oh, me about yours. If we're not careful. See, our days become about us. It becomes about this thing. Man, I've been interrupted so many times. God taught me at an early age as a minister, though. My very first birthday as a pastor, I, I, I had a man dying with cancer. You know, I, we were, and I might have told you this story. If I have, please forgive me. Uh, I'm... I've been medicated some this week, and I've forgotten several things, you know. But, you know, we were headed to Six Flags. You know, kids were small. We were looking for an exciting day. I go to, for some reason, I go to the kitchen sink, look out the window, and across the road is, is a, an ambulance. And, you know, I realize hmm, I'm not going to get to go to Six Flags on my birthday with my family. You know what? Now, the man died the next day. But you know what? Here was the important thing is the day before that, God had allowed me to lead a 74-year-old man that had never known Jesus Christ to lead him to the Lord. You know what? I didn't put my hands on my hips and say, I can't go to Six Flags. I did yell at David, say, y'all hold up, <laughs> don't pack anymore. But because, man, that experience the day before of leading that man to know Jesus Christ at 74 years of age who had never been able to, uh, never been able to pray and believe God to forgive him in that way and, and forgive everybody around him. My goodness, all of a sudden, you know what, on Monday when I saw the ambulance parked across there, it wasn't about me anymore. It was about God. If we're not careful, our Sundays can be the same way too. Roll out of bed and we get here and we think, man, we've sacrificed for God. I got up in time to be at church at 11 o'clock and be at work at 8 o'clock all week long, but it's a sacrifice to be at church at 11. Oh, goodness, I need to sit down here and preach a while. Daily living. We get to church. As soon as it's over, we're out the door and we're thinking, now I've got the rest of the day, come on, to myself. You see, and that's not reasonable service. Jamie, come on, what, what, what does God require for salvation, for grace? Just that we accept it. But we're going beyond that today. Here's the challenge. We've got to go beyond that today. What is it? Because of this free grace, I beseech you, brothers, because of these mercies that he has bestowed upon us, present your lives 
to him as a living sacrifice daily, holy, acceptable, completely pleasing to him because that's my reasonable service. That's just reason. That's just reasonable what I should do because I'm not talking about somebody who bought my lunch yesterday. I'm not talking about somebody who gave me a job last week. I'm talking about someone who died for my sins. Would you stand and come to the altar with me and let's close right here. Step forward, if you will, just a little bit. I, I'm not contagious, okay? Y'all can Been to the doctor, I know I'm not contagious. I said at the close of the 930 service, listen, I want to spend about an hour right here talking you in to doing this. Give your reasonable service. I want to, I want to give you another hour's worth of arguments about why you should do this. You know what? I'm not required to. All I'm required to do is lay out the facts for you. Here they are. I gave them to you. You don't owe this to God because he requires it. You owe it to God because of what he's done. And we owe this to God. It's reasonable that, come on, grow up. That's what we need to do. Grow up. Give Sunday back to God. Amen? Give Monday back to God. Ooh, that's a little harder. Give you the toughest. Give Saturday back to God. It doesn't mean you're going to have to move out of the city. Some of you may have to move out of the country if you really get serious with God. But I guarantee you, let me tell you this. You'll not have to do anything for God that isn't so wrapping up your heart that you can't do. If he calls you to do something like that, you'll say, yeah, I'm ready. Let's go. God doesn't call people to be missionaries that hate, hate people in third world countries. Like we say around here a lot of times too, God doesn't call people to work in the nursery that can't stand kids. We need some nursery workers, but if you don't like kids, we want the kids to still be alive at the end of the service, so we don't want you down there working with them. God's not going to call you to do something. He's going to call you to do what is on your heart, what is in you. But you, you know what? You can't get past, you can't get to that because you can't get past all these other little false things that are in your heart and mind to do this week. All these other little things that are trivial and go to a ball game. That's cool. I've been to a bunch of them, but that's not my heart. It's not what I live for. It's not what cranks my tractor. Everybody that has something... I'm not going to spend an hour. I didn't tell you that I wasn't going to. Okay, I'm not. Okay, everybody. I'm going to wrap this up. But everybody that has something great that you need God, something great in your life that you need God. You know, maybe there's something in your family or in your in your personal life, your situation. You've got a great need that you need God to minister to. Raise your hand. Put them down because it's not about that. This is about Him. This is. 
taking whatever that is and setting it aside, I'm sacrificing today because today is about God. And, 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 and you heard me say this, but listen, if you will do that, if you will put your stuff aside and you start living for God, He's going to take care of this stuff. He said, seek first kingdom of God and all His righteousness and all these things are going to be added unto you. Make this right now. Make this all about him. But let me give you one more reason why to do this. Okay? I, 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 I'm, I'm struggling here to not get ahead of myself because i got some stuff I want to say to you in some sermons next month. But I'll tell you some things. I'll tell you this. There are some awesome, powerful things happening all across this world today. I mean, there is some stuff happening that uh, you and I are amazed at. would be amazed to hear. There's, there's stuff happening in healings and miracles and, and, uh, and the, the things that we read about in the Old Testament, the New Testament, we think, some people think, oh, that's not happening anymore. Yeah, it's happening anymore, but it's not happening here. It's happening other places. Let me tell you why. It's because it's not happening in the places where people are, are just taking life as it comes and just stumbling along through everything. But it's, it's, it's coming into people's lives who are taking responsibility and living their lives purposely and saying every day, this is God's day. I'm going to do what God has called me to do. And when you start living that way, you open the door for God to start doing miracles for you. Let me ask you, how long has it been since you led somebody to the Lord? I, 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 will, I will challenge you. I'll dare you to, to think about it. And probably the last time you did, if ever, it was from, at some point where you had set yourself aside. Because I believe we're going to get to heaven one day and we're going to see all these times that God sent somebody right past us or we or he sent us right past somebody and we didn't even see them. They sat down across the table from us at lunch counter or maybe in our office and they told us about all this stuff they were going through and we didn't even take time to pray with them because we didn't hear what they were really struggling with because all we had on our mind was our day. We weren't in a place to even hear God whisper into our minds and our spirit and say, pray with them right now. Remind them of what I said in this scripture. We can't hear God say that shove ourselves aside, sacrifice, and start making every day holy and consecrated to Him. And when you do, God's going to start reaching other people through you. That's the one one carrot I want to put before you today, if I can put one before you, is I want you to know, when you get serious about making God your reasonable service, then He's going to start. Have you ever prayed with somebody and a healing happened in their life? A financial miracle took place. How long has it been? How long has it been? You know when it's going to happen again? It's going to happen again when we start shoving ourselves aside and start making our, making our reasonable service again every day to present ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy, pleasing to Him. That's our reasonable service. I want you to pray right now. Just come on, take some time. Jamie's going to lead us in a final song. Don't start singing until you finish praying. Right now, God's challenging us to recommit ourselves to Him, to recommit our days to Him, to to, to resubmit ourselves and and to to separate, to sanctify, to, to give up and sacrifice so that we can be holy before Him and He can do awesome things through us again. And your needs, that's not important right now. Your needs are taken care of as soon as you start worrying about His. Come on, start dealing with it. Come on, start right now, begin praying. Right now, just pour your heart out to Him.